Let me tell you guys, I am so honored to be able to uh, declare the word today and uh, try to substitute for our pastor as he is fulfilling the call of God on his life. And I thank him, I thank you, and above all, I give praise, glory, and honor to Jesus Christ for this opportunity. Amen. I want to ask you to go ahead and turn to John chapter 14, and we'll look at the scripture there in just a moment. Let me remind you, uh, this coming Wednesday night, we have Trunk or Treat. Uh, There is a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. If you would like to bring your car decorated and have the candies uh, in the trunk, there will be some judging going on for the best decoration of that car. We still need uh, many, many more. So please feel free to sign up and then decorate your car and be here this Wednesday night for Trunk or Treat. Just to give you an update, there's been a lot of talk about Kingdom Builders, but to give you an update, right now as of last Monday, when we counted last Sunday's uh, pledges, we are now at $277,000. Hallelujah. Give God praise. Amen. And one last thing, very very seriously, I have had so many people come up to me since Pastor and Phyllis honored Sharon and I a few Sundays ago for our 20th anniversary being on staff here. And I've had people saying things like, Pastor Tony, we hate to see you go. Uh, we're, we're so sad that you've retired. We heard that you resigned. Let me tell you something. We're going to squash those rumors right now, Okay. There's not a stick big enough to get rid of me, all right? I'm here. I'm here (laughs) until my message, until Jesus comes back, all right? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Jesus is coming again. And in John chapter 14, let's begin reading there at verse 1. He said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, or King James tells us many mansions. If that were not so, you know, let me stop right there. I almost would rather stay in a room in Jesus' mansion, all right? Because if I have my own mansion, I'm away somewhere else. But I'd rather be in the big house. I'd rather be in the mansion with my God, my Savior, in one of those rooms. I'll be perfectly happy with that. But he said, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, any of you that have been in church any length of time and you have heard Uh, Sunday school lessons or sermons on the coming again of Jesus Christ. Uh, We do call it the rapture. Now, even though that is not, uh, that word is not going to be found in Scripture, it is a term that we use, the rapture, the catching away of the church. Uh, Many times you probably heard that message and you were fearful and you went forward and got saved. Many times that's why the message was preached so that people would become fearful. Well, today I'm not going to be preaching this so that you would become fearful. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you a desire to have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life so that when this event does happen, we will be 
ready to go and be with Him if we are still alive on this earth. But if you've been in that situation and you've known anything about the coming again of Jesus Christ, I would dare say what I'm about to share with you has happened to you. Pastor came to me several weeks ago knowing that he would be gone this weekend, and he asked me if I would go ahead and begin to prepare uh, for this Sunday to bring the message. And so I began to pray about it, and and, uh, as the Holy Spirit began to speak to me with so many of the events going on in the world, I really began to feel turning over in my spirit, preaching about what I am preaching about today, Jesus is coming again. And you've probably had this happen to you. Either something happened during the day or like me, one night, just a couple of weeks ago, I had a dream. Now, I'm just going to be open with you, all right? I had a dream that Jesus came back and I didn't make it. And I'm telling you, in the dream, I I had night sweats. I, I had all of that going on. Well, and then I woke up and here's what I did. I said, well... Obviously, that was a dream, but I'm going to make sure. Because, look, if anybody's going to make it, I know my lovely wife is going to go and be with Jesus, all right? So uh, I looked over there to make sure that Sharon was right there in the bed with me. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Had she gotten up and gone to the bathroom or something, and I looked over there, I'd have had to throw those pajamas away. I'll just be honest. I... Oh, dear Lord. But I looked over there, and there she was, and I thought, yes, everything's all right. Hallelujah. But everything is all right. I am looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. I know that when that happens, I will go and be with Him. Now, again, I mentioned a moment ago the rapture. Um the rising or the raising of the church into heaven, that is the next event on the prophetic calendar of God. Now, because of time, I'm going to share a lot of Scripture with you this morning. We may not go to every one of them. I knew I had given the guys this one, but in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, 5 through 18, write that down, go back and read it again. It talks about Jesus coming back and taking His church those who are alive, to be with Him into the heavenlies. The rapture is the return of Christ in the clouds to remove believers. That's you and I who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are born again. He's coming back to remove believers from the earth before God's wrath. Now, another term that we use in church is the tribulation. That's when God's wrath will be poured out on the earth during that tribulation time. Now, there are different theologies. And you know what? I don't get upset with wherever you may be in this spectrum. It's all right. But we happen to be a pre-tribulation theological teaching center right here. We believe that the church will be gone before that tribulation happens, therefore pre-tribulation. Then there are those who are mid-tribulation. In other words, teaching that Christians will have to go through a part of the tribulation. Then there's the post-tribulation theory, and that is that uh, Christians, believers, will go through the entirety of the tribulation. Really, I have a tendency to believe in pan 
tribulation. How many of you know what that is? Pan tribulation, it's all going to pan out. You just need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all right? Amen? Amen. I've, I've seen people get in arguments over this. All I want to know is whether it's before, during, or after, I'm going to go be with Him. Amen? That's my main concern. So therefore, the pan tribulation. Also understand this. This is vitally important. Jesus Himself made it crystal clear. As a matter of fact, I think Pastor even touched on this in the last few weeks. But Jesus made it crystal clear that we cannot know the date of His return. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 36, Of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Guys, I'm here to tell you, even if there is someone that you respect, and they begin to name dates, they begin to say, Jesus will be back by this time. Look, I'm not telling you to write them off. I'm just telling you don't pay attention to that date. Not even the angels, not even the Son Himself. Only the Father knows when He will look over to His Son and say, It is time. I want you to go and claim the church, the blood-bought believers for yourself. Now is that appointed time. So we don't know when. But because we don't know when, that's why we should be inspired to always make sure that our hearts are ready because we don't know when. There are nearly 500 prophecies in the Bible describing the coming again of Jesus Christ. And including in, included in those prophecies, God gives us an absolute abundance of signs that we're to be looking for that lets us know just how soon His coming is. So I'm going to go through some of those signs this morning. I will not cover them all. We don't have time to cover them all. And I really probably will not do justice even to the signs that I'm going to mention. But the first one is signs of society. Signs of society. In Matthew 24, verse 37, Jesus said that His coming will be just like in the days of Noah. Now what Jesus is simply saying there is, I'm coming back in a time when the earth is in as bad a shape as it was in the days of Noah. In other words, the world or society is going to go full circle and return to being as evil as it was in the days of Noah. And in Genesis chapter 6, it describes the days of Noah when men's minds were focused upon evil. Immorality, violence were everywhere. Dare we say that that is only contributed to Noah's day? Or are we seeing that day after day after day in the time that we live? Everywhere we look, there is violence. Everywhere we look, there is immorality. Do you realize that recently that Alabama has been named 
as one of the states in, in America that has one of the highest murder rates. I don't know if that's because of Birmingham or what. I know a lot happens there. But you know what? It doesn't matter where or what causes it. Violence is going on all around us. Why does violence happen? Violence happens because men and women have given their hearts over to the enemy because they will not accept Jesus Christ who provides in our life love. He gives love for one another. And out of that love, we don't want to see others hurt, harmed, or violent visited upon them. But Jesus said, that's the way things are going to be. And then, if you would, I want you to turn with me to this Scripture. It's over in 2 Timothy. Paul really spells it out for us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to begin reading there with verse 1. And see if he's not describing our day and time. Paul said, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of themselves? I think today we call that entitlement. We live in a day where there are so many people who are entitled. You owe me. Why? Because I'm me. I'm entitled. No other reason. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, but treacherous, rash, conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. If I read that and recognized my world in that like I do, but did not have the comfort and the power and the hope of Jesus and His Holy Spirit in my life, I would give up on life as well. But I read that, and I read it with this understanding. It lets me recognize the time that I'm living in. You see, I still know that Jesus is Lord. I know that even though that's going on in the world, that Jesus is still on the throne, that He is still Lord of lords and King of kings. Hallelujah. I know that the Holy Spirit is still working in the world. God has not given up on His creation. Even though the enemy may be running rampant, God is also still working and moving in the lives and hearts of men and women. Hallelujah. And then there's the signs of world politics. I'm not talking about politics as we have here in America, okay? I'm not going to go there. But the Bible prophesies a very specific end-time configuration of nations. Israel is pictured as a nation once more that is surrounded, absolutely surrounded by Arab 
other, other Arab countries that have only one thing in mind, and that is for the annihilation and destruction of Israel. And this, of course, has been the situation in the Middle East ever since the Declaration of Independence of Israel in May of 1948. Write these scriptures down and go read them later. Ezekiel chapter 35, 1 through 36. And Ezekiel 37, verses 21 and 22. And then listen to this one in in Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, verses 36 through 41. Daniel prophesied that the Roman Empire would be revived. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I need to give you some knowledge today. That began with the formation of the European Union. That is the resurgence of the Roman Empire. You see, things are coming in line. Things are happening. And then again, write this down. Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 1 through 39. The Bible prophesies that there is a great power, it says, that is located in the remote parts of the north. And this nation, this great power, will come against Israel in the end times and will ultimately lead an invasion of Israel together with other specific allies. And all of, our, all of these are modern-day Muslim states. And Russia and its Muslim allies fit this description precisely. Everything is coming together There will be an assault against Israel. Guys, we need to see the signs. We need to understand what is happening. And we need to make preparation in our own life that we are ready when it happens and we're not caught by surprise. Thirdly, there are the spiritual signs. Spiritual signs. Jesus warns, that there's going to be false prophets claiming to be Christ. There will be those that will even do great and wondrous things, but there's going to be a great rise in cults. If you look really over the last century, but even closer to that, in the last probably 25, 30 years, there have been cult after cult after cult, and not just in America, but around the world. Satanism. Witchcraft, New Age, and the occult have become mainstream. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. In growing up, and maybe I was secluded, maybe I was protected in some ways, but I never heard anything about Satanism. I never heard anything about witchcraft. And, of course, New Age started sometime later, or the occult. But now, not only do we hear about them, but they have become mainstream. They are accepted. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and I don't mean for it to be as negative as it sounds. But these things that I just named, witchcraft, Satanism, New Age, the occult, they are becoming even more mainstream than Christianity in many aspects. There is a boast going on in our nation right now that says we are no longer a Christian nation. When I say that, I want to cry. I'm heartbroken. But there are those who boast that we are no longer a Christian nation. We're open to all 
because there are many ways, many paths to God. Oh, it may be a path to a God, but that's with a little G, not the capital G. And that's that God that will damn people to eternal damnation and not eternal life in Jesus Christ. But these things are becoming mainstream. Many churches, the Bible says, will become apostate, denying the blood of Jesus and ignoring God's moral laws. Did you know this morning that there are actually pastors, ministers, who will not mention the blood of Jesus Christ? They will not share with their congregations about Jesus dying and shedding His blood and how that blood will cleanse us of all of our sins. They don't want to... uh, um, Well, I'm just going to say it. People are such snowflakes, they don't want to hear anything that might upset their little ears. Thank God I heard about the blood of Jesus Christ. Because it's the blood that cleanses. Amen. Give God praise for His Son, Jesus. Look, I'm not trying to pick on any particular church or group, okay? That's not for us to do. But there, the, the morality, oh my God. <laughs> okay, again, let me just give you an open door. If I've had a rough week and I've been short with somebody and I get up to preach, I feel unworthy. Not to mention denying who I am as a man in getting up to preach, not to mention the other things that is going on. I, I don't know how they... Well, I do know how they do it because their hearts and their mind has become seared. Guys, I'm not trying to belittle or put down or be hard or be negative, but somewhere along the way we do have to be warned. If there is a bridge out, somebody has to say, don't continue traveling this way or you're going to end in destruction. Turn and go a different way. That's what I'm saying today. But here's the beautiful thing of it. The spiritual signs are not all bad. God's Word teaches us that the Gospel will be preached throughout the world. Matter of fact, Matthew 24 and verse 14 tells us that the Gospel will go around the world and after that is when Jesus will come. But with the Gospel going around the world, that means people will come to Jesus Christ. The Bible also teaches us that there will be a great outpouring of His Holy Spirit in Joel 2 and Acts 2 and Daniel 12. Joel 2, Acts 2, Daniel 12. There will be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I remember growing up, all I ever heard about was the falling away of the church. The falling away of the church. 
But I'm here to tell you that there is coming such a great outpouring, and even it is even now. That's why our pastor is in South Africa, because of that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Men and women's hearts and lives are being changed. Men and women's hearts and lives are being challenged. We are being anointed. We are being filled. We are being called by the Holy Spirit to declare Jesus Christ Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Can you give Jesus another praise? Hallelujah. And then there will be signs of nature. Again, Matthew 24. Read that whole uh, chapter when you get a chance. Matthew 24, and then also in Luke 21, 11, it shows that there will be natural disasters of every type, but that they will be increasing greatly in frequency and intensity like birth pains. Harvey, Irma, Maria, wildfires, earthquakes in Mexico, volcanoes. How many of you realize we had an earthquake over near Scottsboro just the other day? You heard about that? Alabama had an earthquake? Praise God, I'm ready. <laughs> but he says all of these things are going to happen. Matter of fact, Luke 21:11 says... There will be great earthquakes. And in various places, plagues and famines. Well, look at the other natural disasters, how plagues and famines are following those things. People can't get the food that they need. But it says uh, there will be great earthquakes, and in various places, plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Now, I had some people talk about the eclipse I'm going to be honest with you. I was disappointed in our eclipse. I don't know about you, but I was disappointed. I thought I was going to be standing in pitch black dark. And Sharon took a picture of me looking up with a great one standing there. <laughs> it wasn't all that dark. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a sign. We've got another eclipse coming up in seven years. I'm not giving a date. I'm just saying we need to be able to discern the times and be ready. All right, I want you to go with me over to the book of Ruth, and I'm going to talk very personal with you for the next few moments. Ruth, chapter 3. Ruth, chapter 3. You know, Naomi, they had been living in a different land. She and her husband and sons and daughter-in-laws. Naomi's husband dies. Her sons die. And then Naomi goes back and uh, her daughter-in-laws, including Ruth, go with her. And That's where we get that saying, wherever you go, I will go. Ruth making that statement to Naomi. Naomi loved Ruth and Ruth loved Naomi. And as they were there, uh, Naomi told Ruth that she should go out and she should begin to collect things in the field uh, that they could use to eat. The field belonged to Boaz. And in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this. One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will 
where you will be well provided for. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm working on this morning finding a home for you where you will be well provided for. And that home is called heaven. You're not going to find a better place. Every need. Every need. But you know what I'm finding out? God's grace and mercy supplies my needs even here on this earth. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when I finally get up there. Amen? So she said, beginning in verse 2, now, Boaz. All right, she's looking for this home for Ruth, and she mentions now Boaz. Boaz's name means kinsman redeemer. He's associated, that is associated with Jesus, who is our redeemer. And so look what she said in verse 2. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours, kinsman redeemer. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. So Naomi's telling her, you need, to, you need to go and you need to be there so that you can meet Boaz. All right? And then I want, she says something very interesting here in verse 3. She said, wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, then go down to the threshing floor. Naomi told Ruth to go wash herself. I would imagine Ruth could have been offended by that. But instead of being offended, she did what her mother-in-law told her to do. Ruth probably could have thought to herself, you know, Mom, Naomi, I've done all these other things you've told me to do. I've been obedient to everything else you've told me to do, even to following you here to another country. And here I am about to meet my future, and you're telling me to go wash? Yeah. You see, Ruth had been working in the field. She had been working in the field. She had been working in the field. Any of you ever worked in the field? You don't come out from the field smelling like roses. <laughs> You've got some perfume about you, but you smell like Pepe Le Pew. Now, Ruth had been doing what she was supposed to do. She wasn't doing anything bad. She wasn't doing anything evil. She was doing what she was supposed to do. But now Ruth says, I mean, Naomi says, Ruth, it's now time that you go wash yourself. See, Naomi knew that Ruth, even though she was a beautiful young woman, but she had been working in the field and she had some residue on her and she needed to wash that residue off. Ladies and gentlemen, we may not be of the world, but we are living in this world. And there are times that we get residue on us, and I'm telling you that we need a good washing. And it doesn't come from ivory soap 
or it doesn't come from Irish Spring. It comes from the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. For that blood will wash away every sin. It'll wash away every stain. It'll make us whole. It'll make us clean. It'll make us pure. Hallelujah. We need to wash ourselves. Ah, but Pastor Tony, I'm already a Christian. I'm already clean. Well, amen. Praise God. And I believe you. And you may not be living that perverted lifestyle any longer. But I'm telling you, you're still wearing some of the residue from that lifestyle. You may not be an addict any longer, but you still have some of the residue from it. You may not have those anger issues any longer, but there's still some residue there. You may no longer be that adulterer, but the residue is there. Maybe you have stopped gossiping, but the residue is there. No longer are you being abused by your abuser, but that residue is there. No longer do you hear those hurtful words, but the residue is there. And I know that the residue is there because you still talk about it and you still dwell on it. When Jesus Christ has washed you in the blood, He washes it away. It should not be talked about. It shouldn't be brought up. It shouldn't be remembered because it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Go wash yourself. Go wash yourself. And my last thing, you're going to have to just love me through this one. I'll start it off. It says there will be wars and rumors of wars. Jesus said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Bobby Jones, would you come up here with me, please? Jim Moran, would you come up here with me, please? Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. But what's interesting is that that Greek word for nation is ethnos, where we get our word ethnic and ethnicity. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen tells us, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations or all ethnic groups. Again, I'm not going to turn because of time, but in 1 John 4, verses 1 through 3, it talks about we will know that if people have the Spirit of Christ in them because they recognize and acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and He's from God. But John goes on to say that there is an antichrist spirit that is in the world that denies the deity of Jesus Christ and who he is. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that there is a spirit of the antichrist in our world that is working against the spirit of Christ that is in us. Now, you see, I know my brother well enough to know that the spirit of Christ lives within him. Amen. I know my brother well enough to know that the Spirit of Christ lives within him. Amen? But the Antichrist would try to bring division between us. Now, I want you to hear something. I've known Bobby for I don't know how many years now, probably 20 years. 
And I love this man. Don't go stupid with that. I just, I love this man, all right? But I love his family, too. I, I, can, I can say that. I would say that if we were in private. I'm saying it public. I love this man, and I love his family. I've known Jim for a less time, but because we have spent time together, I can say I love this man, and I love his family. Now listen to me. I don't love Bobby because he's black. I don't love Jim because he's white. I love these men and their family because they're my brothers in Jesus Christ. There there is something that is moving that disturbs me. You know, I used to really love to look at Facebook just to kind of keep up with what's going on. And I love what our pastor says. You need to, and I may not say it exactly right, don't spend so much time in Facebook, but put your face in the book, the Bible. Amen. There, There is a spirit in the world that is working to divide the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, we come to church, and yeah, we raise our hands, and we love one another, and we worship but then we go out into the world and we see things on Facebook that's been reposted or we see things in the news or hear things on the news. And, and, and I, I start saying things like when I, I think about my black brothers and sisters, well, they. They? I've never refer, referred to Josh and Sharon as a they. They are mine. They belong to me. They're part of me. It's we. It's us. This is we and us right here. This is we and us right here. We've got to be careful. And I'm telling you, this is a sign of the last days. You gentlemen can sit down. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bobby. Jim. We've got to be careful and recognize this sign as a sign of the last days. I tell you what, go over with me to the uh, Psalm 55 right quick. Psalm 55, and it'll really bring to light what I'm talking about here. Let, let me just read that first. Psalm 55, and let's begin at verse 12. He, he's talking about being assaulted and wanting to fly away and, and wanting to just go hide. But verse 12 really brings down what's happening in his life. He said, Psalm 55, verse 12, If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure that. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship in the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. Most Sundays, I'm kind of in the back doing things, and and I do worship, but I'll be honest with you, I watch you guys a lot of times, and I see you worshiping, and I see God touching you and moving in your life, 
And how dare the enemy try to bring a wedge between me and you when I'm rejoicing in the way you're worshiping. Guys, I'm going to tell you up front right now, I refuse. I refuse to allow the enemy to bring something into my heart and my life against you. I will not accept it. I will not receive it, for that is of the Antichrist. Galatians 3 and verse 28, and I'm going to absolutely close with this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one. We, us, in Christ Jesus. Guys, I will admit to you that on this earth, I appreciate who you are, your background, your experiences. If I don't do that, I do you a disservice. But when it comes to Jesus Christ and who we are, when He looks, He doesn't say, Oh, there's a black one. There's a white one. There's a brown one. Oh, that one's kind of yellowish hue. No. He says, There's my son Jesus. There's my son Jesus. There's my son Jesus. There's my son, Jesus. He sees us through his son, Jesus Christ, by his blood. For how am I made righteous? By the blood of Jesus. Sharon made a statement the day that Pastor and Phyllis honored us. And she said, don't you ever take for granted what God has given us at this church. I don't apologize for these because I am blessed. I am a man blessed beyond measure. Not only do I get to worship here, but I get to be one of your pastors. Every color, every hue, Every background, God has blessed us at this church for the vision that He gave our pastors, our senior pastors. And God's fulfilling it. But guys, I'm saying it, I'm saying it, I'm saying it, and it is true. This is just the beginning. Just the beginning of what God wants to do. Stand up with me. I've got to close. Pastor Joy, if we could have uh, just some music, please. Guys, I apologize for that. I think I've laid a fairly decent groundwork of the signs that are before us of the coming of Jesus Christ. I don't know when, but I do believe in my heart that it's soon. I honestly do. 
But my main concern today is that, you know what, I'm going to live my life like He's coming back today. But I'm going to work like it's still going to be a hundred years from now. But my main concern right now this morning is that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. We may have a wonderful time here, but I don't want it just to be here. I want it to also be an eternity in heaven. But the only way that you, we, can enjoy that is that we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. That you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Everyone just close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you said, Pastor Tony, I've listened to what you said, and I do believe that Jesus is coming again. That's why I want to make preparation today. I want to ask Him into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I want you to raise your hand right now. Just raise it and keep it up for a moment until I can see it. Is there anyone? Anyone? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Guys, I've only seen one hand, but you know what? That one hand was worth this whole morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, I want us all to pray. I've gone really too long this morning. We could come to the altar, but it's it's out of the heart, the genuineness of the heart as you pray that God will transform you. So especially for that one that raised their hand, I want every one of us to say this out loud together. Repeat after me. Dear Father, I come in Jesus' name. And I do know that He is your Son. That He came and lived, died, and was rose again just for me. And today, I ask, dear Lord, Jesus, that you come into my life. Become my Lord. Become my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. I give you my life. All the past, all the present, and my future. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.